Man, what an honor it is to be back. I guess I didn't mess up too much the last time, huh? No? It was all right? Yeah? Okay. That's good. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I, I, felt, I felt like, a, I mean, I was even confirmed this morning with Emma and Lincoln, but um, I felt something's happening here, right? There's something growing. Something, oh, Holy Spirit is, is working here. And I was, I was praying just before the service, and I was, I was feeling very clearly that, that God wants to break out in freedom to a, a whole new measure this morning. So it's not about something that's going to come or something that's going to happen. I feel like this morning, He's got freedom in excess for us. Not just a couple select, but every single one of us. So I want to encourage you to, to be pressing into that, to be paying attention to what Holy Spirit wants to say to you through that. Um, and I thought we might actually just start off with taking a couple of moments to, to tune in with the Holy Spirit, to, 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 to pay attention or to focus in on, on the still and quiet voice. So I, I want to encourage you to... Um, to still your heart, to, to be quiet, um, and even to get into what I call receive mode, which is where I, I physically position myself the way that I want my spirit to be open and receiving to what Holy Spirit wants to say. Um, but let's just spend a couple of moments, yeah, tuning into Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh to overflowing more than ever before. Come and break out, God. Come and break any walls down that we, we may have up against you. Come in and heal. Come with your, your incredible joy that strengthens us, that frees us. Come with your abundant, unconditional love. And come into the deepest depths of our heart and heal us, God. Holy Spirit, this morning I, I ask that you, you have your way. Don't let me get in the way at all, God. Have your way in your people this morning. We are hungry for you, God. Bring transformation. Father, we just ask, give us the courage to walk out a different person today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. I encourage you to stay tuned in as, as I share. Um, but I thought I'd start off with giving you a little bit of an update on my life. Um, I'm, I feel like I, there's so many people here that, that didn't see me last time. But I'm, I'm Matt. I uh, grew up in Rotorua, or I moved around a lot, actually. But I spent a bunch of time overseas and traveling. And I studied at Bible College in America. Um, these things that, uh, it's a long story, basically. But... Um, I wanted to update you on how I am now engaged. Yeah, which is really exciting. Um, so my fiance is from Switzerland. We met at Bible College in America uh, about four or five years ago. Five years ago. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. Currently still there. Um, but we'll be getting married in July. And she'll be moving here. So don't worry, I'm not running away. Um, <laughs> But I thought you might be interested in a couple of photos. So I went to Switzerland over uh, Christmas and New Year's for a couple of weeks and surprised her 
with my presence, <laughs> showed up on the opposite side of the world to propose to her. And somehow I managed to get it to all to work out, like 12-hour 12 hour and a 13-hour flight and a layover and transport and all those things and organizing the setup and that kind of thing. It was a mission, but somehow, you know, a lot of uh, cover stories, but <laughs> made it work. Um, but yeah, she said yes. Woo. Okay, so this morning I want to talk about family in a way. Um, the title of my message message is actually Till Death Do Us Part, which you may have heard of before. Yeah? No? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought you might have. Um, <laughs> but you can kind of understand why that's been a, a bit on my, topic, on, on my mind, the, the topic of weddings and that kind of thing. Um, but I was thinking about it and wondering why we kind of reserve that level of love for marriage, like till death do us part. Like, are we only supposed to lay our lives down for one person ever? Because Jesus laid down his life for everyone, and, and we're called to be like him, right? He was our, our ultimate example, or an example of how to live a, a powerful life in relationship with God. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, I think sometimes in life we often shy away from, um, from deep or uh, really meaningful relationships when that is, is actually exactly what we were born, born for, exactly what we were designed for. In December, I actually I shared a similar message to this at our uh, Limitless Youth Camp. It was awesome. Some of my guys were there. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. <laughs> um, and it stuck, this, this, the beginning of this message, or the, the, the idea behind this message, stuck with me over the, over, the, over the last two months. And I've been feeling like God's given me some more about it, and, and we found it really encouraging at, at camp. And so I wanted to hopefully be able to encourage you with that in an even deeper, deeper level this morning. So... <clears throat> this morning, I want to talk about the great love that Jesus has for us, but more specifically, connection and commitment. Here at, here at church, I'm sure that you guys have an awesome and are here of all the connect groups, and these things are so cool. Um, I'm sure you do family so well, and, and I'm really, uh, I really feel like Holy Spirit is, is proud of where you're at. But I do also believe that there is more that we can press in, that we can go even further, that we can have deeper relationships, that we can have stronger commitments to one another, to, one another, to the body of Christ, to Jesus. Um, and so I, was, I want to ask you to, to press in this morning with me. Let's go after the more. And I've actually got four, four main things that I'd like to talk about, um, and those are family, vision, sin, and communication. So first of all, I want to touch on family and how... Uh, God has actually set a standard of, of what family looks like. I, I know that we all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences of what uh, family may mean to us. Um, but ultimately, God who created family gets to define family, right? So what does family actually mean to you? Can, can I uh, hear some shout-outs? When I say family, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Food. <laughs> what? <laughs> what else? <laughs> Children. What? Parenting. Love, come on. What was that? Grace, life, dishes. <laughs> I don't think there's any dishes in heaven, but 
<laughs> I like the honesty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so family means these things like safety, love, trust, encouragement, freedom, a place to learn, a place of commitment where we're wanting the best for each other. Well, what about blood relations? Yeah, you might say that. You know what I love actually is that Jesus pour, poured out his blood so that actually in the kingdom of God, we are blood relations because we've all received his blood. Yeah. So uh, I've just heard people say before, they're like, oh, this is my blood relatives. And then I'm like, you're all my blood relatives. <laughs> Come on, Jesus unites us, right? So John 13, verse 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I believe the most important thing in any family is love. And if we as Christians can't love our, our fellow brother or sister in Christ, how can we have any hope of loving people outside of this church, outside of our church? And the answer is actually because of Jesus. That's how. We, he, he hung out with people that had, had terrible values that never stopped, and that never stopped him from loving them. That has never stopped him from loving us. You know, even in our biggest mess, in our, when we've made the, the worst mistake, He has been with us and loved us in it. Not after, not when we've repented, through it all. He, he would never show, show us the way without making it possible to follow. God created us with the ability to grow, to be challenged, to be stretched, to become more than we were today or yesterday. John 16 verse 7 says, I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. If I do not go, the helper will not come to you. Who's the helper? Yes. If I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit can empower us to love beyond our own abilities. Because he is love. And when he is living on the inside, it's like a spring of living water that can, can overflow. When we're tuned in with Holy Spirit, he is our ultimate helper. We're able to love with His love. It's got to start with us, with our family here. We've got to learn to go deeper in our relationships here, to make new friends here. And then outside church, it becomes an overflow of the character that we've built with Holy Spirit here. It still amazes me to think that it is better for us to have the Holy Spirit with us than Jesus Himself. Like having Holy Spirit living on the inside is better than if Jesus was standing right here and right now. Like my mind doesn't compute, you know. <laughs> I must be uh, still so unaware of Holy Spirit's power, of His incredible love and the reality that, that comes with Him living on the inside. There's always more. It's crazy. Of course, we actually have access to Jesus as well, so we kind of got everything handed to us. <laughs> so my second point there is vision, how we get there, the way we see situations. The way we see situations actually has a huge impact on how we're going to interact or deal with that situation. Think of it this way. We all have our own pair of glasses through which we see the world. If we continue to, uh, st I mean, I grew up in a Christian family, but no no family is perfect. So I, I, even if I stayed with the idea of family that I had grown up, 
I would be limiting my relationship that I could have with God, with others, the family that I could have here. Yeah. So I had a pair of glasses that I needed to actually lay down and allow God to, to change or actually allow God to just let me see the truth. And that doesn't mean I've got it all figured out. No way. That just means I'm trying. <laughs> our beliefs or core values are, are what color our lenses. What, what color are your lenses this morning? What have you let influence your choices of glasses over the years? What moments have you let define how you see situations? The way you perceive the world is how you will interact with it, and the way you perceive a situation is how you will interact with it. We've got to come to a point of realizing that we don't see the big picture. We've got to humble ourselves and pray, not just in the hard situations, but in the good situations. If we want to pursue the more, then that means not just being satisfied with a good situation, but allowing Holy Spirit to come in and make it a great situation. He is our ultimate helper. We've got to ask God to help us see things from his perspective. To live without vision is to wander aimlessly through life without motivation or purpose. We've got to see things from God's perspective. What is the vision that God has for you in this place, in this family? What has he called you to be? Not just what is it, was it, what is it, not just what he has called you to be to do, but what has he called you to be? We're human beings before we're human, do- I mean, we're human beings, not human doings. When confrontation comes our way, how does God see that situation? In every family, there's going to be confrontation. How do we handle it? Do we run from it? Do we get defensive? Do we not even, do we pretend it's not even there? What is your vision or goal when it comes to confrontation? Do you realize that if you can communicate through confrontation, your relationship will be stronger than before? I found this in my own life. Until I was 22, I would run from confrontation. I was like, "Mm -mm. mm-mm, I'm good. Pretend I'm all, you know, everything's good. I had no idea how to get through that. I was always like, oh, it ends up worse than it was before. I'll just pretend, uh, let it be water on the bridge and pretend it never happened kind of thing. But actually, I, once I reached 21 and had some tools to communicate through it, I, I found that it was so incredibly valuable to bring things up, to actually confront, to actually talk about things that hurt me or that I may, where I may have hurt others. Made our relationships stronger, deeper, more meaningful. Confrontation isn't something we need to be afraid of. Yes, It's usually painful, but Jesus helps with that, and pain isn't the end of the world. In all families, there will be confrontation, and we've got to have our vision set on seeing things the way God God sees them. To have our vision as something like my goal is to win the argument just isn't good enough. Sorry to be real with you. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm going to be real with you. God calls us to a higher standard. I I always try to have my vision or goal as relationship. That no matter the outcome of the confrontation, I will continue to pursue friendship. You see, we don't all have to agree to be family. Yes, we, we gather in unity around Jesus. But what about people who don't know Jesus yet? 
It is God's heart to welcome everyone with open arms into his family. This is the vision that we've got to capture for ourselves, that we've got to, to take responsibility for ourselves. I went to, so I told you guys, I went to BCSM in California, which is kind of like a Bible college, more like a revival school. Um, but I was there for two years, and one of the most powerful things that impacted me while I was there was actually the people. The fact that 1,200 people from 50-something different countries all around the world came to this one place because they were hungry for more of Jesus. Their belief in me empowered me to step up and out of my dysfunction. I think it's easy for us to be unaware of the impact that encouraging people can have on us. Even now, I reckon you guys could look around in this room and easily find multiple people that have encouraged you along your journey. They have strengthened you. Let's be a people after God's heart. Let's believe the best of each other and empower each other to be all that God has created us to be. Let's represent his love wherever we go. Not Not our own limited love, but his unlimited love. All right, moving on. Sin, number three. Barriers. <clears throat> In a safe and encouraging family, <sighs> that is the best place to be open and real with each other, to be honest about sin in our lives. God doesn't define us by our sins, so why would we do that to each other? None of us are perfect, and being real with each other is so important if you're serious about building deeper relationships. Ultimately, sin in, in our lives holds us back from everything good. And when we turn to sin, we turn away from God. I believe that is one of the devil's main strategies to make us think we are alone. To make us think no one would actually love me if they really knew me. You see, to have deep relationships, real relationships, we've got to be known and know. We've got to be real with each other. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. As soon as they sinned, they tried to hide. The devil managed to not only get them to sin, but he also got them to hide from God. He also got them to believe in shame. Make it your default that if you sin, your immediate response is to run into God's open arms. Don't let shame win. You were born for greatness. You can't afford to let sin hold you back. Every single one of us was born for greatness. I don't know exactly what that looks like. That is for you to pursue in your relationship with God. But it is great. And we can't afford to let sin stop us. I believe that conviction of sin is one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does. If we don't think we need any help or correction, we're never actually going to receive it. We've always got to be learning, leaning into what the Holy Spirit is saying. At school in California, I, I learned about four, uh, four ways that we can consciously or unconsciously open our, our hearts to the enemy. And these are unforgiveness, hate, sexual sin, and the occult. And we, when we do any of these things, we're, we're putting up a wall between God and our hearts, between God and our lives. So uh, I'm not going to expand on all of those, but what does that mean? Let, let's take... Forgiveness, for example. Unforgiveness, sorry. The Bible is super clear about this. You can 
see it in Colossians 3 verse 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a, a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I feel like even now Holy Spirit is, is tugging on some people's hearts in this room that it's time to, to choose forgiveness. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Matthew 6 verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I hope you're hungry for the real word, not some watered-down, sugar-coated version. It's very quiet out there. Unforgiveness and bitterness is only ever a prison for ourselves. It only ever is going to stop us, hold us back. We can be thinking that, no, I'm holding on to this grudge because I want that person in the next city or across the world or whatever to, to feel pain or to hurt like I hurt. I'm like, it only ever holds us back, only ever starves us of life. One of the most incredible things Jesus ever said, in my, in my opinion, was in Luke 23, verse 34, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided, divided up his clothes by casting lots. You guys know where that verse is from, right? <laughs> Even while Jesus was in immense pain, externally and internally, he asked God to forgive the very people that were crucifying him. While on the cross, he asked God to forgive us. He had, his, had it as bad as he, he could, ever, it could ever get. He had been disowned by his friends, rebuked and hated by the crowd, and yet he was forgiving. <laughs> How dare I ever hold on to unforgiveness? How dare I ever let pity things hold me back from connecting with people, from, from loving people? Who am I to ever hold anything against somebody? Jesus literally laid down his life for me. I want to have that same love for others. Whenever I feel any amount of unforgiveness or bitterness, I compare it to, to what Jesus, Jesus experienced. My, my reasoning, my excuses, my pain never end up coming close to what Jesus went through. I have no grounds to hold on to unforgiveness. And so I give it to him, and he gives me back a joy or love or peace or, or something else that I need in that moment. Whatever we give to him, he always has something better to give back. Some freedom for us. I want to be like Jesus. He is the ultimate hero. He's the only superhero who ever died for the villain. My last point this morning is communication. Communication, make it happen. As a, as a teenager, I, uh, I grew up in church and went to church th three or four times a week, that kind of thing. And I never, I felt like I never had, maybe it wasn't me paying attention, but I felt like I never had this kind of situation, confrontation, simplified enough for me to actually be able to do it, to be able to do it well. And so I feel like a lot of you have had a lot of experience with this and maybe this 
won't be helpful to you, but I hope that this will be helpful to at least some of you to simplify what it comes down to, how we can actually do it. So we know the standard of family that God has called us to. We, we have some ideas on how to do that with our vision, and we are aware of what could potentially get in our way. So let's, let's look at the communication skills, yeah? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Woo! <laughs> All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the part where you should definitely highlight in your Bibles. <laughs> that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has entrusted us with this message, with this ministry. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in, in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is one incredible, powerful passage. One that we should have like on the back of the toilet door or something like that. <laughs> the ministry of reconciliation is our responsibility. If you are in Christ, if you received him as your Lord and Savior, it is our responsibility. It is our job not just to uh, reconcile in our life, in our relationships, but actually to be ambassadors of this ministry. So actually to mediate, to actually, if you see a broken situation, to offer your love, to offer your support, to pray, out, pray into that. So how do we actually reconcile when problems arise? When we approach, approach confrontation, what are our motives? What is our vision? This will actually drive our every comment. We've got to have a clear motive or vision. Here's a, here's a really quick three steps that I found really helpful. The first very important that it is first, first and foremost. Seek to understand. Put your own needs and motives aside. There will be time for that. Listen carefully. Ask questions. Repeat back what you understand. Because even in English, we often speak different languages. Control your emotions. We don't actually have to be a victim to our emotions. You know, I can feel pain, but actually respond, uh, respond well instead of reacting out of my pain. Does that make sense? That I can be hurt while still managing myself well. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. With the Holy Spirit, we are able to manage ourselves well. And that sometimes mean that, means that actually in confrontation, it can hurt so much that you can be like, hey, I'm experiencing a lot of pain and I need, I need some time to, to process this pain with God before I can communicate well with you. So you may actually need to book a date, set a time and a place to have that conversation. Number two is communicate yourself clearly. Do not accuse, do not play the victim. Form your sentences like, I feel hurt when you da-da-da because da-da-da. 
so often we can come to confrontation and be like, you did this and you did that, and you made me feel this, but actually we have control of ourselves. The only control that they have over us is the control that we gave them, which is our responsibility. Right? So do not be defensive. Ask if they understand. And again, control your emotions. The third and final point that I have to help, hopefully help, is apologize, forgive, compromise, set the new standard. Communicate where that relationship is. You know, you may actually want to be best friends with somebody that doesn't want to be best friends with you back. And you've got to be okay with that. It's true. You've got to clarify what your expectations are in that relationship, in that friendship. And of course, thank them for understanding. Thank them for communicating well, hopefully. I want to invite the band up, and I'm going to wrap up shortly. Thanks, team. These guys are actually so awesome. Worship was so good, guys. You guys lead us into to more and more of his presence. I love it. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. First and foremost, love God. And right there behind it is love your neighbor. To summarize, I want to say... uh, Have the right expectations. Try to see situations from God's point of view. Don't let anything hold you back and make it happen. Do it. I know it can be scary. I know it can be painful. But it's worth it in the end.